Welcome, and thank you for listening to Sandy Creek Stirrings. I'm your host, Joshua Jimenez. And if you're going to win souls, you've got to love souls. In spite of their meanness, in spite of the way they look, in spite of everything, you've got to seek to bring souls to Jesus Christ because you love them, because Jesus loved them, and because Jesus died for them, and you're trying to bring them to the Son of God. The Bible says in Psalm 84, 11, my last verse, for the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. I based my whole life on that, that it pays to serve God, and I believe that with all my heart. God has given us a guidebook. God has given us a directional map, and that guidebook, that map, is the precious Word of God. Listen, don't just go and sit in the pew. Find some way to serve and serve as a family. Be a part of everything at church, and when you learn to love what God loves, um, your children will learn to love it as well. Homes are not that spiritually strong. We're getting overtaken by the world quickly, but unfortunately, we're pumping all the sewage in. You know, we're letting the world in when that ought to be a haven. Welcome back to Sandy Creek Stirrings, and thank you for joining me today. We're continuing another portion of our series entitled Five Things Wrong With, and we're reviewing religions, denominations, cults, and examining them, comparing their beliefs to the Word of God. Of course, the Word of God being our standard. It's our sole authority in all matters of faith and practice. It's the ruler. It's the tape measure by which we measure every single area of life. The Bible says it's it's profitable for doctrine, for proof for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be thoroughly furnished. And so we base all of this on the Word of God, examining those religions to see if they are true or if they are false. Now I'm going to skip a lot of the intro today. If you remember the first lesson or the first episode in the series was on Jehovah Witnesses, and we said we wanted to try and keep these episodes under 30 minutes long, and so I'm going to do my best to try and do that today, but we're going to have to absolutely fly. And so we're going to try and move quickly. So I'm going to forsake a lot of our typical introduction. I will say, though, right off the bat, that if you have any questions, you can always send those in. If you have a question about our topic today, which is going to be five things wrong with Mormonism, if you have any questions on Mormonism or on Jehovah Witnesses or things of that sort, or really just any questions in general regarding any episode or maybe a episode you would like to hear content on. You can send those questions, those ideas, those comments, that whatever it may be, you can send it to Joshua at SandyCreekStirrings.com. Again, that's Joshua at SandyCreekStirrings.com. You can send all those in. Email me. would love to hear from you. Now let's dive right in. I know I'm talking a little fast. I will do my best to slow it down. But I won't stay that way for long. So we have to move quick if we want to get through this in 30 minutes. So let's go to five things wrong with Mormonism. And by the way, can I just say this right off the bat? Um, this is not a religious bash fest on Sandy Creek Stirrings. We're, done, we're not going around just bashing religions. Uh, there are really three reasons we're going to do this series on this podcast. Number one, it exposes and marks the works of darkness like the Bible commands us to. Romans 16, 17. Um, it also decreases the chance that one of you will be deceived by a false religion after hearing these episodes. And then number two, it reinforces right and true doctrine. It reinforces right and true doctrine because by examining the false doctrine, it's going to reinforce the true doctrine of the Word of God. And then number three, 
it teaches us how to eloquently, logically, factually, and biblically defend our faith as commanded by the Word of God, First Peter chapter 3, verse 15, and Jude, of course, verse 3, only one chapter in the book of Jude. And so it's, it's not a religious bash fest. There really is a purpose behind this, any biblical reason for doing the study. As we said before, if we can give one thing that is unbiblical or one thing that is undoctrinal, that is a false religion. That is a false prophet. That is a false teacher. We don't need to give five, but we're going to do it anyway today, just to put the nail in the coffin, you might say. And so it's very important that as we go through this, that, hey, the Bible says, for any of you who say, well, nobody's perfect, you know, you may have a doctrine false, it doesn't make you, you know, you may have an unbiblical doctrine, it doesn't make you a false religion. Nah, yes, it does. The Bible says in Titus chapter 2, verse 7, and all things showing thyself a pattern of good works in doctrine, showing uncorruptness. You're uncorrupt. Not one area is messing, messing uh, with the Word of God, in contradiction to the Word of God, messing with the Word of God. That's an interesting phrase. Uh, but Second John chapter 1, verses 9 and 10 say this, Whosoever transgresseth and abideth not in the doctrine of Christ hath not God. And if we go to verse 10, if there come any unto you and bring not this doctrine, what doctrine? The doctrine of the Word of God, which John clearly states in Second John that this is the doctrine that has been taught from the beginning. Um, bring not this doctrine, receive him not into your house, neither bid him Godspeed. And so God is very serious on this matter of doctrine. So let's dive into five things wrong with Mormonism, give a few things real quick on their history. We'll run through real quick. Joseph Smith was in New York. He had spent some time in jail for being a con artist. What he would do is, is he would take seer stones and he would claim to be able to see the future. He would then have people pay him and he would tell them where buried treasure was. He was a fraud. After jail time, he went walking in the woods of western New York in 1820 when he claimed to have a vision from God. In this vision, he claimed that both God the Father and God the Son, separate separate bodies, separate deities. God the Father and God the Son appeared to him, and in this vision they told him that all churches, their creeds, their followers were corrupt and abominations, and he would establish a new church through Joseph Smith. After that, an angel by the name of Moroni appeared to him and told him the same exact thing, but also the location of some golden plates. These golden plates contained a new scripture, and they shed more light on other scripture. Smith found these plates and began translating them. They were written in Reformed Egyptian. And these plates became the Book of Mormon, and Joseph Smith became the head of the Mormon Church, which is called the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. You may have heard them be called before LDS. They have four books that they claim to be from God to lead their church. The Bible— the Book of Mormon, Doctrines and Covenants, and the Pearl of Great Price. Now, along with those, they hold to a, uh, a series of, of sermons and prophecies. It's all contained in a book entitled Journal of Discourses, and they hold to these as containing what some might term as new revelations, new prophecies, that are really almost just as inspired, they believe, as the Word of God. Of course, over 16.5 million Mormons, uh, with a central focus in Salt Lake City, Utah, of course, where their university is Brigham 
Young University, BYU. And uh, typically, you, you've probably seen a Mormon before. They'll run around in white dress shirts. You know, the men will. Um, they'll often have typically black pants, a necktie, and they'll have a, a, a little tag on their shirt pocket that says Elder So-and-So, whatever their name is. The problem is, so much of Mormonism contradicts what the Bible says. So let's dive into that today. There's many different doctrines we could have talked about in regards to Mormonism, some very interesting things. I'll give you a few that we're not going to discuss in depth, but um, I'll just give you a few. Number one, they believe that it's wrong to drink coffee and tea. I'm condemned. I already had both of those this morning. And uh, number two, they believe Adam and Eve were buried in Davies County, Missouri. Number, th- number three, Mormons wear special undergarments that are given to them at their temple. An adult Mormon will wear them if they have made a sacred promise to God. And here's another interesting one. Mormons believe that there is a chance to accept Christ even after death. Um, a quote from FairLatterDaySaints.org says, LDS doctrine anticipates that not all people will have a full and complete chance to accept the gospel of Jesus Christ before their death. Thus, in LDS doctrine, those who have not yet accepted Christ may do so after their death, but before the resurrection. Of course, that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says it appointed unto man once to die, and then the judgment. Um, so let's get into the five, though, today with the time we have remaining left. Let's see if we can get this done in less than 30 minutes. Strap on your seatbelts. Number five on five things wrong with Mormonism. Number five, they practice a works-based salvation. They practice a works-based salvation. Now, if you talk to a Mormon, they're going to tell you, no, no, we're, no, we're not. We, we're saved by grace. I mean, faith is what saved us. But when you truly pin it down, their church and their doctrine teaches works necessary for salvation. For instance, um, how about this? Mormons believe that you must accept the teachings of Joseph Smith to be saved. Here is a quote from the website FairLatterDaySaints.org. Quote, a fullness of salvation requires accepting the words of all the prophets, including those who wrote the Bible and including Joseph Smith. Here's another quote from their website. Quote, the Bible does not teach that salvation comes by faith alone with no dependence on an individual's obedience to the commandments. Hmm. On the subject of rebirth, they say this, the the rebirth, and this is from churchofjesuschrist.org, their official church website, this rebirth occurs as individuals are baptized. Hmm, now they're adding baptism to salvation. Isn't that interesting? They say this uh, later on on their website. They say, quote, Baptism by immersion in water by, having, um, by one having authority is the first saving ordinance of the gospel. All who seek eternal life must follow the example of the Savior by being baptized. So, so far we've seen that, you know, their website alone says, and I, I quote again, the Bible does not teach salvation comes by faith alone. Okay, that's what, that's, that's what they say. That's their official doctrine. And then they add you have to accept the teachings of Joseph Smith. You have to be baptized. You have to obey the commandments. They add all this. What is that? That is a works-based salvation. And that's why in the Book of Mormon, you get to 2 Nephi 25-23, which says, For we labor diligently to write, to persuade our children and also our brethren, to believe in Christ and to be reconciled to God, for we know that it is by grace we are saved. That sounds great, doesn't it? Except the verse continues, after all we can do. That, my friend, is a works-based salvation. Paul was very, very clear. The best explanation there is, and if by grace, 
Romans chapter 11, verse 6, it's speaking of salvation, and if by grace, then it is no more of works. Otherwise, grace is no more grace. But if it be of works, then it is no more grace. Otherwise, work is no more work. You can't get simpler than that. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Galatians 2, 16, that we might be justified by the faith of Christ. This is, of course, the last portion of the verse. And not by the works of the law, for by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. Romans 3.28 says, Therefore we conclude that a man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law. So there's the first thing wrong with the Mormonism. They practice a works-based salvation. Number four, uh, their view of heaven contradicts God's word. Uh, something wrong with Mormonism. Their view of heaven contradicts God's word. They believe in three levels of heaven, the celestial, the terrestrial, and the telestial. And we're not going to dive into all those today. I do have notes on them, but we are literally going to run out of time. And so we're going to just look at celestial. They say this on their website about celestial kingdom, quote, The celestial kingdom is the highest of the three kingdoms of glory. Those in this kingdom will dwell forever in the presence of God the Father and His Son, Jesus Christ. They believe that only those in celestial kingdom will be able to dwell in the presence of God the Father. What's interesting is, is the other, terrestrial and celestial, you can't dwell in the presence of the Father. And uh, that's just interesting because the Bible says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord, speaking of God the Father. And so it's clearly stating that salvation, you when you die, you are present with God the Father. There is no three tiers of heaven like what the Mormons believe. Now, also on this area of the afterlife, they teach that a man works his way through exaltation to eventually become a god, to live on a planet to have spiritual offspring. That's their view of heaven. If you are a good Mormon, you will die, become a god, be eternally married, have lots and lots and lots of spiritual children to populate your planet. Look, friend, the idea that man becomes a god directly contradicts Isaiah 43.10. You are my witnesses, saith the Lord, and my servant, whom I have chosen, that ye may know and believe me and understand that I am he. Before me there was no god formed, neither shall there be any after me. If there's no God formed after God, then there's no way you can become a God. Interesting enough, God never once in Scripture taught that man would become a God when he dies. God never taught that. There's only one person in Scripture who actually taught that. And if you go all the way back to Genesis chapter 3, verses 4 through 5, you read in the serpent. Who's the serpent? Satan himself. And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die. For God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods. Hmm. Interesting that Joseph Smith and Satan both thought something that God never said, and in fact directly contradicts the Word of God. Number three, five things wrong with Mormonism. Number three, their, their very history points to them being a false religion. Now, I'd love to take more time on this section. We're not going to, so I'm going to rush through these. But just their history alone shows there's something wrong with Mormonism. For instance, let's break down a few, uh, a few discrepancies. Uh, number one, Joseph Smith claimed to have a vision from God. 
Now look, after the completion of God's Word, God said there would be no more prophecies, no more visions, no dreams, no anything. God would only communicate through His Word, which was completed when John wrote the last book of the Bible, Revelation, somewhere around 96 A.D. Boom! At that moment, God didn't stop speak, or start, God started speaking only through His Word. He no longer used prophecies, visions, dreams, anything like that. First Corinthians chapter thirteen, verses eight through ten: Charity never faileth, but whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. We continue down, for we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect is come, what is the only perfect thing in the world? The Word of God. But when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away. Hebrews chapter 1 verses 1 through 2 say this, God, who at sundry time and divers manner spake in times past by the fa- unto the fathers by the prophets. Notice what he says, in times past he used to, hath in these latter, hath, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his son. John chapter 1 clearly identifies Jesus Christ as being the Word of God. And in 2 Timothy chapter 3, 16 through 17, um, all scriptures given by inspiration of God. Of course, we go down to verse number 17, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished. If he's thoroughly furnished, he doesn't need prophecies. He doesn't need new revelations. He has everything he needs in the Word of God. So just Joseph Smith claiming to have a vision from God alone is the first discrepancy in their history. The number two, Joseph Smith said he saw both God the Father and God the Son separately. Well, that's doctrinally and literally impossible. You say, why? Well, for instance, the first part is, the Bible says in 1 John chapter 4, verse 12, referring to God the Father, no man hath seen God at any time. Why? Because God the Father is a spirit. John chapter 4, verse 24, God is a spirit. Now, you say, well, wait a second, what about all the people who saw God? What about, you know, Peter? He saw God. Who was he seeing? Well, they saw Jesus Christ, because Jesus Christ is the embodiment of God the Father. He is God in the flesh. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3, who, speaking of Christ, who being the brightness of his glory in the expressed image of his person. Not only that, but God the Father and God the Son are the same being. They cannot appear separately. First John chapter 5, verse 7 says these three are one. So there's another discrepancy. Number three, Joseph Smith said that they told him in this vision that all churches, their creeds, their followers were corrupt and abominations, and God would establish a new church through him. Well, here's the problem. God will never contradict himself. And that line of thinking, those statements contradict what God has already said. Matthew chapter 16, verse 18 says, And I say also unto thee, that thou art Peter, and upon this rock, Jesus is speaking of himself. Upon this rock, he points to himself, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. If God said the gates of hell would not prevail against his church, then how do they all go corrupt? Doesn't that mean that hell prevailed if now he's going to have to start a new church because all the other ones are corrupt and abominations? Jude, Jude verse 3 says, um, contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. It was once delivered, it, it has no need to be delivered again, because God's church will prevail. And Joseph Smith's vision contradicts God's word. Number four, Joseph Smith said that an angel named Moroni appeared to him on a couple of occasions. Um, the testimony of seeing and meeting with Moroni and other heavenly beings can only really leave us with one of three conclusions. Number one, Maybe Joseph Smith made all this up. Is it possible? Sure, he was a con man after all. 
Number two, Joseph uh, Joseph Smith was a loony. I mean, he was just a psycho. He was a he was a nut. He should have been in the psychiatric ward. I mean, he was just a loony. Or number three, if an angel really did appear to Smith, then it wasn't of God. We know this because God will not contradict himself. God no longer speaks in this fashion. Then if an angel really did appear to Joseph Smith, who was it? 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 14 provides a great insight, and no marvel for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. And then next, this story, just still into this area of history, of their history, this story sounds too much like a con. So what do you mean? Well, Joseph Smith found these golden plates, and the angel Moroni told him no one was allowed to see them. And then when some people started to question the truth of the situation, he claimed that, well, you know, now Moroni told me that now I'm allowed to let a few of my close friends see these plates. It's interesting how he came under pressure and the Mormon God changed his mind. Because that happened all throughout the history of Mormonism. You say, what do you mean? Well, take the area of polygamy, which the Mormons taught. In fact, Brigham Young in the Journal of Discourses, section 11, verse 269, says this, The only men who become gods, even the sons of God, are those who enter into polygamy. In fact, in fact, both Brigham Young, I mean, big-time leader, BYU, hello, Brigham Young, and Joseph Smith taught that you would be condemned to hell if you didn't partake in polygamy. That was until President Grover Cleveland uh, stood up before Congress in 1885 and said this, Since the people upholding polygamy in our territories are reinforced by immigration from other lands, I recommend that a law be passed to prevent the uh, the importation of Mormons into the country. He said, you know what, if they're going to keep bringing polygamy in here, we're going to not let them come in the country. Edmunds-Tucker Act of 1887 was an act of Congress specifically restricting the practice of of the LDS Church by telling them to stop polygamy. In fact, they threatened them, they sued them, they said, if you don't quit, we're going to kick you out of the country. Shortly after more lawsuits and warnings from the U.S. Congress, the Mormon God changed his mind and issued the 1890 Manifesto, which advised against future polygamy of the church. Came under pressure, changed again. Interesting enough, for years and years and years, African Americans were banned from Mormonism. Brigham Young said that it was an eternal principle that a, an African American, a, uh, a black person, could not hold the title of priesthood. He said it's an eternal principle. But when the civil rights movements came around in the late 1900s, well, the Mormon God changed his mind on an eternal principle. This is interesting how every time they came under pressure, the God changed his mind. And here's the deal. On the area of history, to top it all off, Joseph Smith was clearly a false prophet. How do we know? Because of all his unfulfilled prophecies. Remember, Deuteronomy chapter 18, verse 22, When a prophet speaketh in the name of the Lord, if the thing follow not, nor come to pass, that is the thing which the Lord hath not spoken. There are so many false prophecies of Joseph Smith. Here's three. One, he said Jesus would return in 1891. Of course, Jesus has not returned yet. Number two, he said all nations would be involved in the Civil War of America. No, it was just America who was involved in that Civil War. And then in 1843, he prophesied the U.S. government would be overthrown and wasted in just a couple years. Of course, we're still here almost, I mean, in 20 years, 200 years later. And so very interesting. Number two, on the five things wrong with Mormonism, their God is not the God of the Bible. You say, what do you mean? Well, they hold to a God that is three separate deities. The Father has his own body, the Son has his own body, and, and they're all separate of each other. 
Doctrines and Covenants, section 130, verse 22 says, The Father has a body of flesh and bones as tangible as man, and the Son also, but the Holy Ghost hath not a body of flesh and bones, but is a personage of the Spirit. Look, we've already given enough proof that the Father is a Spirit, and Jesus Christ is God in the flesh. Here's one, they believe God is not omnipresent. Uh, James Talmadge, in Articles of Faith, page 43, said, If God possesses a form, that form is of necessity, of definite proportions, and therefore of limited extension in space. It is impossible for him to occupy one at one time more than one space of such limits. Interesting enough, God said he was present everywhere. Jeremiah 23, 24, Can any hide himself in secret place that I shall not see him, saith the Lord? Do, do not I fill heaven and the earth, saith the Lord. They teach that man can become a god because God was once a man. Joseph Smith said this in the teachings of Joseph Smith, page um, pages three forty five through three forty six. For I'm going to tell you how God came to be God. We've all imagined and supposed that God was God from all eternity. I will refute that idea and take away the veil so that you may see. He was once like us, yea, that God himself, the Father of all, dwelt on earth the same as Jesus Christ himself did. We could give a bunch of other quotes from men like Brigham Young, Lorenzo Snow, um, Bruce McConkie, um, but we're not going to for sake of time. God said he was eternal. He didn't have a beginning. Deuteronomy 33, 27, the eternal God is thy refuge. And of course, to top it all off, Mormons believe in multiple, 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 multiple deities. God said this in Isaiah 43, 10. Before me there was no God formed, neither shall there be after me. Isaiah 44, 6. I am the first and I am the last, and beside me there is no God. Isaiah 44, 8. Is there a God beside me? Yea, there is no God. I know not any. Deuteronomy 6, 4. Hear, O Lord, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. And then to top it all off on five things wrong with Mormonism, their Jesus is not the Jesus of the Bible. Look, Mormonism teaches that Jesus is Lucifer's brother, not the creator of Lucifer, as John chapter 1, verse 3 states, and Colossians chapter 1 as well. Uh, the, Bork, the Book of Mormon states that Jesus was born in Jerusalem, while the Bible says he was born in Bethlehem. Joseph Smith taught that Jesus was married, specifically to Mary Magdalene, Mary, and Martha. Um, that's not in Scripture. Mormons believe that Jesus Christ, he was born by God having physical relations with Mary. Of course, that removes the virgin birth, but just very interesting there. They don't serve the same Christ. And that's what the whole debate comes down to. They serve a different Jesus, and this is something Peter predicted would happen. Second Corinthians chapter 11, verses 3-4. through four, And that your mind should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. For if he that cometh preacheth another Jesus whom we have not preached. Look, the problem with Mormons isn't the fact that they don't drink tea or coffee. It's not, a, not about the fact that some of them wear an elder when they're not even 18. It's not about their temples in Salt Lake City. It's about this fact they serve a different Jesus. Do not be fooled. Mormons and us, they, we don't serve the same Christ. Their Jesus is different, and he's even different from the Jesus 
of the Bible. And frankly, their Jesus will land you in hell because he is not the Jesus who claimed to be God, who created all things, including Lucifer, who experienced miraculous birth by a virgin, who saves your soul without your works, who said his church who would prevail no matter what. That is the Jesus of the Bible, and their Jesus is completely different. Don't be fooled. The Mormons are a false religion, and sadly, millions who follow their doctrine are destined for hell. Now, can I just remind you of this real quick before we end? 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 25, In meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves, if God peradventure will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth. If you have a Mormon knock on your door, how do you talk to them? The best way is in meekness. Because if you open the door and you scream and you yell, well, let me tell you this, friend, you're the one in the wrong. Yeah, I, I went right there. You're the one in the wrong. Because the Bible says we're supposed to do it in meekness. And if you plant the seed with a meek spirit, pointing that Mormon back, just go back to the Word of God. Read it for yourself. Read it for yourself. Then you can be able to plant the seed and see how God can work in the life of a Mormon. So five things wrong with Mormonism. Number one, their Jesus is not the Jesus of the Bible. Number two, their God is not the God of the Bible. Number three, their very history alone points to them being a false religion. Number four, their view of heaven contradicts the Word of God. And number five, they practice a works-based salvation. So is Mormonism a false religion? Sadly. And yes, sadly, it is. Friend, don't be fooled by the Mormon religion, for it is directly contrary to the Word of God. I hope that gives you a better insight into Mormonism. There are so many things. I had I had pages and pages more of notes on here. If you'd like to get a more in-depth research into the Mormon religion, email me, joshua at sandycreeksterings.com, and we can get you a little bit more in-depth on what we talked about today. My friend, I hope that you continue to follow God, stick close to His Word, so that you cannot be deceived by Satan or his lies. As you do, as you follow the Word of God, keep looking up and keep stirred up for the cause of Christ.